think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. Well, welcome to another episode of Kidney Talk. Um, I'm really excited because I've been watching this uh, beautiful young lady travel around the country and uh, inspire people across the country. And uh, her name is Valen Cover. And Valen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Lori. Well, Valen, um, Tell everybody a little bit about when you were diagnosed with kidney disease. I was diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease when I was 10 years old, and I went just for a normal checkup at my pediatrician, and they took my blood pressure, and it was 160 over 140. And, of course, as a little 10-year-old girl, that was alarming, and everyone on my mom's side of the family has PKD, and we kind of knew since that's a common side effect of PKD that, you know, they figured that's what it was. I, of course, you know, didn't know what was going on and was sent for an ultrasound, and they saw that my kidneys were polluted with cysts, and that's really when it all, when it all began. So can you explain a little bit about what PKD is for people who may not know what it is? Sure. Uh, polycystic kidney disease is one of the most common life-threatening genetic diseases. And what happens is the kidneys become polluted with these fluid-filled cysts. And over time, it deteriorates the function of the kidneys. And at this point, there is no cure. So the only treatments are dialysis and or transplantation. As far as um, statistics go, it's 600,000 Americans and 12.5 million people worldwide. Have PKD and um, what's it's hereditary, right? So that's why, who has it in your family? Um, basically everyone on my mom's side of the family, um, there's a 50% chance you can pass it on. But as far back as I know, my mom has it, my brother has it, and my nephew has it, and my mom had a bunch of cousins that had it and had, um, you know, passed away from it. And her mom had it, of course. My mom's mom is who passed on, and I never met her because my grandma had passed away at the age of 53. So my mom's one of the oldest right now in our in our family history to be living with this disease, and she just recently turned 54. Well, tell us, so uh, did you have to start dialysis um, at what age? I started dialysis when I was uh, 19. And was that, you know, growing up from age 10 to 19, when you were going to school, was it difficult for your friends to understand uh, some of the problems that you were facing? Yes, it was. And the thing, when I was diagnosed at 10, I was told really that, um, you know, this is overall a slow-progressing disease for most people. My case is quite unique with it, but, you know, I was told, you know, don't worry about this. You won't see the effects of it until your late 40s to early 50s. And they put me on the blood pressure medicine, and um, that was kind of it. And, you know, one of my missions now is to change that because I think it was, it was the wrong message for me because I dealt with them so much during my teenage years, but really was unaware of what exactly was going on. And one thing that happens with some people with PKD is they get cyst bleeds. 
which what happens is your cyst ruptures and you can get fever, really bad pain. And I had a lot of these episodes from when I was diagnosed until ultimately when things got real bad when I was 19 and I would be in and out of the hospital. Like I missed my first half of my senior year. So the kidneys become uh, quite enlarged and they recommend that you don't do impact sports because if I were to get hit, you know, around the areas of the kidneys, this this could rupture. So that calls where I didn't participate in all of gym class and would sit on the side and look different when that's the last thing you want because all you want to do is try and fit in in high school. Um, And it was difficult for, you know, the kids and my friends to really understand what was going on and then not everybody wants to be friends with someone that's different. So that was definitely something that um, I dealt with. So you were lucky. You did receive a transplant. Tell us a little bit about that and how that came about. Yes, uh, extremely lucky because I, it started when I was 19, had a real bad cyst bleed that put me into the hospital and ultimately was in there for almost like 11 months straight. It was where the cyst wouldn't stop bleeding and had uh, like over 70 blood transfusions. And in January of 2002, they made the tough decision but to remove my kidneys. They were working 60%, but because they would not stop bleeding, they didn't feel as though I would survive with them. So, but at that time, you know, there was no other options but to go straight on dialysis. You know, we had no kidney lined up and they removed both my kidneys, started dialysis, and I had dialysis every day in the hospital because I was so sick and facing a lot of other medical things at the time, like pancreatitis and everything. So um, I was actually too sick at the time that they didn't even talk about putting me on a waiting list for a kidney. There were people at my dad's company that stepped forward and friends and things like that, and, of course, family, but everyone who had PKD on my mom's side, you know, you couldn't donate. And then my dad wasn't a match, and other than that, I have quite a small family. So it was a really tough time because, you know, I just don't ever remember anybody talking about putting me on the list because of being so sick. So people stepped forward and, you know, didn't match. And there wound up being two people that were a match for me. One was a high school friend and one was a friend of the family. And they both actually matched. One had a little bit more antigens than the other. So that's why they ultimately had... um selected Sally, but it was a tough situation because I was too sick to get a kidney, but I needed the kidney to survive because I wasn't doing well on dialysis because I was facing so many other health issues. So my transplant surgeon, Dr. Robert Montgomery, decided to take the risk and transplant me, even though circumstances weren't ideal to do it. And I had my transplant actually tomorrow is August 13th is eight years. Um, since my transplant. That is what I ultimately needed and what really kept me alive. It was a a miraculous thing, and it was um, Sally Robertson, who I had known since eighth grade, stepped forward and wound up being three out of six antigens, so a wonderful match. Well, and how is she doing? She's doing wonderful. You have a book out that's been written about you called My Favorite American by Dennis McClowski. How did that come about? That's pretty exciting to have somebody write a book about you. It's quite exciting. Um, yes. I The company that I used to work for was owned by um, a Canadian company, and we had a corporate newsletter. 
and Dennis McCoskey was the editor of the corporate newsletter. And when I started working for the company back in 2005, the um, vice president of the human resource department had contacted Dennis and said, you got to write an article about this girl because they started to hear of all my volunteer efforts and speaking engagements and what I had been through. So Dennis had interviewed me. He's from Canada and interviewed me over the telephone for this article. And he was really intrigued by my story. And we wound up keeping in touch through email. And we had subsidiaries all across the United States and in Canada, and everybody really enjoyed the article. And he was a freelance writer as well. So he wrote for magazines, and people kept encouraging him, you know, you should write another article. So he did some more interviewing and expanded um, and wrote a larger article in a Canadian magazine. And then everybody read that and said, you should write a book about this girl. And we kind of chuckled because I was 25 at the time, and, you know, most biographies are of older people. And I guess what really did it, we had been friends for two years. And then in 2007, I was in a bad motorcycle accident. And Dennis kind of said, like, that's it. You know, you've lived so many lives in your short lifetime and have had so many things happen. And he's like, I want to be the one to write your story. And I was just so grateful that someone like him took notice of my story and an interest. And he came down from Canada and interviewed all my family and doctors. And I think that's what makes it such a powerful book. It's, it's everybody's perspective of what we all went through in this journey to get me back to good health and able to really help other people. And it's been a wonderful wonderful experience. So you're doing so great now. What are your plans for the future and what are some of your goals and words of wisdom for people who are listening? Well, I've I've really gotten so much out of the volunteer work that I have done since my transplant. I had, after my transplant, I was online and wound up finding that the PKD Foundation was out there. And that kind of sparked just such a a neat chain of events. Um, I had started chapter for the PKD Foundation in South Central PA back in 2004 and and ran walks, you know, organized renal education seminars and held meetings. And that was such a rewarding experience. And that really started my public speaking, too. Um, I had spoke at a few conventions for the PKD Foundation and then started to really reach out in my community and share my story, which is really one that I feel as though anyone can connect to. It's just overcoming obstacles in life and and trying to remain as positive as you can. And, you know, I, I think I, I really get a lot out of being able to share what I've been through with others. It kind of puts meaning and purpose for all that, you know, myself and my family has been through. And I've actually, this year was laid off. I'm originally from Pennsylvania was laid off from the company that I worked for and actually gave me an opportunity. I just recently relocated to Northern California and looking forward to getting my message out on the West Coast as well. So you have such a great attitude. What's your secret? Uh, you know, I, it's we all have good days and bad days, but I, I do feel very lucky that when you list all the different things I've been through, um, I've never been, you know, bitter about the past or or angry about anything that happened. Instead, I've, I've taken that knowledge and feel as though it's a gift that I've been given and that I'm still alive for a reason, and that is to, to help others. And I really believe so much is just staying mentally healthy is just as important as physically healthy. 
because there was actually a time when I was in the hospital where my family was called down to say their goodbyes because they didn't think that I was going to make it through the next uh, emergency surgery that I had. And I remember that day vividly, and I didn't feel as though that was it for me. So my body was so weak and had been through so much, but I feel as though I was very mentally strong. And when I look back, I think if I would have given up mentally, I'm not sure I'd still be here today. So I just think that it's a very important thing that, you know, no matter what we're going through, I don't think we realize how powerful our thoughts are. You know, I know it's not always easy, you know, to do that, but it's what I feel is why I'm still here today. Well, you have to be chronically happy. I mean, you know, (laughs) it's, it's really a difficult illness and... I agree with you. You have good days and bad days, but sometimes you just have to take your body and your mind will follow. And sometimes you have to take your mind and your body will follow. It depends what's not working that day. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so you, you had a big move to San Francisco. Did you move with anybody special? Um, yes. Actually, my boyfriend Noah and I relocated from Pennsylvania to um, we're right around the Sacramento area in Northern California. And it was a scary thing because, you know, we were both born and raised in Pennsylvania, but yet it was exciting because when I was younger, I didn't get to travel or see the world much because I was always sick. And now that I'm so healthy and was excited for the opportunity to do this, and we kind of turned something negative into a positive for me being laid off, we used that as an opportunity to move. Now, I'm currently looking for work in the Northern California area, but excited for the next chapter and, and have faith that everything will work out. But I, I think it makes a very powerful statement that we can live a fulfilling life post-transplant and with an incurable disease like PKD and, and not to let anything hold you back. I had fears because even just traveling across the U.S. of just thinking of my medicine and what if you lose your medicine and changing doctors, there's a lot. But I don't think we should let what we're going through uh, limit what we do in life. And I'm actually excited. It's given me sense of I can do anything. If I can do this, I can do anything. And I just think it, that's what's neat. So many um, options and opportunities in life. And, and I'm excited with this next chapter that in life that we're living. Well, so tell us, do you have a message you would like to share with the people who are listening? When I do my speeches, you know, my main messages are to really raise awareness for organ donation and encourage that because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that. And I just think that once people are involved in such a miraculous event like that, um, I hope that my story would maybe encourage other people to donate. And I, I try and live every day of my life with purpose to make my donor proud. And my mission is to raise awareness for PKD so we can live to the day the treatment or cure is found so no one will have to suffer like this. Um, and, and really to never lose hope, you know, that's my main thing. I've, I've learned that everything winds up falling into place and, and working out if you, you just hold on to that. And I think um, my story is living proof of that. Well, you definitely are very courageous, and we're very excited that you have joined our Kidney Speak program. So if people are uh, interested in um, hearing Valen, they can contact us, and we'll get in touch with her. But, you know, you're very courageous, and um, I just can't wait to see what the future holds for you and how you're going to blossom and grow in the community. Thank you so much, Lori. That means a lot. 
Well, great. Well, uh, keep up the good work and uh, spreading the awareness about, you know, chronic kidney disease. And, you know, I have a hemolytic uremic syndrome, which was the cause of my kidney failure, and it was just kind of an onset. And so it's it's really uh, interesting to hear, you know, because all the dynamics of all the family members that you have to deal with. And, and then, of course, if you choose to have children, if you'll pass it on, it's a huge issue, and um, they need to find a cure. So uh, congratulations for you and the PKD Foundation for helping get the word out. Thank you very much. It is it, it is a lot. I actually just returned from the PKD convention, and what everyone there is facing is unique, but yet the same. And and dealing with not only yourself, but then taking care of loved ones with the disease. But I, I think the most important thing that I've learned with it is just to embrace the fact that I have it and make the best of it. And that's all we can really do with our challenges in life. Well, great. And have a great day. And everybody listening, um, keep smiling like uh, Valen is because she seems like she's extremely happy. (laughs) Thank you. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our health care team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. We can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference.